Born on a mountaintop in Tennessee Greenest state in the land of the free Raised in the woods so he knew every tree Killed him a bar when he was only three Davy, Davy Crockett Disney Videos has brought your family the most wonderful stories of friendship, like Bambi, Pinocchio, and The Jungle Book. And now coming to video for the very first time, Disney's classic, The Fox and the Hound. It's the unforgettable story of two friends, Todd I'm a fox. and Copper. I'm a hound dog. Two friends who didn't know they were supposed to be enemies. Copper's gonna come back a trained hunting dog. But growing up has led them on different paths. We're still friends, aren't we? Those days are over. I'm a hunting dog now. And now their friendship and loyalty will face the ultimate challenge. It's that fox again! The fox and the hound. After him, boys! They're after Todd! I'll let you go this one time. Now you can share this breathtaking story of friendship and fun. Beautiful! By adding Disney's animated classic, The Fox and the Hound, to your collection. Coming soon to video. And we'll always be friends forever. Welcome everyone to another animal-based episode of Be Kind Rewind. This is your Disney Plus movie podcast. I, of course, am Dan Teets, and joining me tonight... Kyra Hawkins. Hi. Hi. So, we are talking about a movie that a lot of people have some very strong feelings about. My wife is one of those. She says she refuses to watch this one because it makes her cry. And I'll just go ahead and put it out there. I started to tear up towards the end of this movie myself. So if you were listening to, well, if you were following the thread, the last episode we told you that your homework is going to be The Fox and the Hound. Not the sequel, Fox and the Hound 2, Electric Boogaloo. We are talking about the July the 10th, 1981 film, which did $57.2 million worth of box office revenue which is just a shade under $191 million in today's revenue. So, not too bad for a cartoon movie that was that was made a year and a half earlier starring a bear and a beaver. Or a bear and a raccoon. And Kyra's like, what are we talking about? You lost me. Which one is that? No. What is that movie? The Bear and the Raccoon movie? How can how can you not remember that one, Kyra? Everybody knows about the Bear and the Raccoon movie. What's the title of it? I can't remember the name of the movie right now, Kyra <laughs> Bear. <laughs> Words hard. Long day. I like I have no idea what you're talking about, but I feel like there's like maybe that tells me all I need to know about this movie. Well, we covered it. Of course that doesn't mean anything because we covered a lot of movies which we have very quickly gotten rid of from our Tale of Two Critters. Oh, okay, yeah. I didn't like that. 
There's a reason I didn't remember that. And there is a reason that I couldn't remember the name of it, but knew what it was about. Uh, listener, now you know everything you need to know about that movie and whether you should waste your time on it. Oh, did I say that? Or, if you are just now coming in on episode 150-something and have no clue what we are talking about, go back into the archives. We will wait for you. And we're back. So, Fox and the Hound, Tale of Two Critters sequel. What? I was just going to say, thank God it's not really that. What? How many times did you watch this growing up? What were your initial feelings on it? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm pretty sure we owned this on VHS when I was young. Um, so there's no telling how many times I watched it. I know I loved it when I was a kid. Um, as an adult, I didn't dislike it. But I don't know if I loved it. I didn't love it. But it was, it was good. I mean, it's a great movie. It's a classic. Yeah. I yeah, don't. It... I don't think I'll watch it again. <gasps> okay. Well, uh, let me let me go ahead and ask: Were there any children watching this movie with you while you were watching? No. And did they leave the theater or your couch before it ended? No. Uh, she wasn't home with me that day. Um, but she has seen it. I asked her, like, because I couldn't remember. But I, we talked about it today, actually, and um, I was like, haven't you seen that? And she was like, yeah. And I asked if she liked it, and she said, oh, it was okay. Kind of sad. Yeah, well. So, maybe not real big with the 12-year-olds of today. Yeah, there's not enough violence in it for the kids of today. <laughs> so, if you think this movie has no violence, wait until you listen to next week's podcast where we discuss Tron and see what you think about that but that this is not the Tron podcast. This is the Fox and the Hound podcast. I watched it. I know I'd seen it a couple of times prior. Knew what I was in for, but didn't remember or misremembered or just blocked parts of it out. Mm-hmm. Which is normally the case with 80s, 90s Disney movies. So the synopsis, which always comes to us care of Wikipedia, goes a little something like this. After a young red fox's orphan, Big Mama the Owl and her friends Dinky the Finch and Boomer the Woodpecker arrange for him to be adopted by a kindly farmer named Willow Tweed, who names him Todd. Meanwhile, her neighbor, Hunter Amos Slade, brings down a young hound puppy named Copper and introduces him to his hunting dog, Chief, who is at first annoyed by him but then learns to love him. One day, Todd and Copper meet and become best friends, pledging eternal friendship. Amos grows frustrated at Copper for constantly wandering off to play and places him on a leash. While playing with Copper outside his barrel, Todd accidentally awakens Chief. Amos and Chief chase him until they are stopped by Tweed. After an argument, Amos threatens to kill Todd if he trespasses on his property again. Hunting season comes and Amos takes Chief and Copper into the wilderness for the interim. Meanwhile, Big Mama, Dinky, and Boomer attempt to explain to Todd that Copper will soon become his enemy. However, he naively insists that they will remain friends forever. The following spring, Todd and Copper reach adulthood. Copper turns into an expert hunting dog who is expected to track down foxes. Late at night, Todd sneaks over to visit him. Their conversation awakens Chief, who alerts Amos, aids 
Chase ensues and Copper chases Todd, but lets him go while diverting Amos. Chief catches Todd as he attempts to escape on railroad track, but an oncoming train strikes him, resulting in him falling into, falling into the river below and breaking his leg. Enraged by this, Copper and Amos blame Todd for the accident and vow vengeance. Realizing Todd is no longer safe with her, Tweed leaves him in the game reserve, and after a disastrous night on his own in the woods, Big Mama introduces him to Vixie, a female fox who helps him adapt to life there. Amos and Copper trespass into the reserve and hunt Todd and Vixie. The chase climaxes when they inadvertently provoke an attack from a giant bear. Amos trips and falls in one of his own traps, dropping his rifle slightly out of reach. Copper violently fights the bear, but is almost killed by it. Todd comes to his rescue and battles it until they both fall down a waterfall. As Copper approaches Todd, as he lies wounded in the lake below, Amos appears, ready to shoot him. Copper positions himself in front of him to prevent Amos from doing so, refusing to move away. Amos, understanding Todd had saved their lives, lowers his rifle and leaves with Copper. Todd and Copper reconcile their friendship and share one last smile before parting. At home... Tweed nurses Amos back to health, much to his humiliation. As he lies down to take a nap, Copper smiles as he remembers the day when he first met Todd. At that same moment, Vixie joins Todd on the top of a hill as they look down on Amos's and Tweed's homes. The end. So right off the bat, my first note that I put on this was this is another Disney movie where the mom dies. Yeah. And it's always involving animals where the mom died or the parent died mm-hmm. because they kind of break the mold with the Lion King in about 10 years or 20, whenever they made the Lion King. I think it's 90s. Yeah, 93, I think, maybe 94. But as is usually the case, we don't see the mom actually get shot because no on-screen violence because this is a Disney movie. Mm-hmm. And we get the cutest little fox. Mm-hmm. So I didn't remember a lot of the like finer details of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I wasn't surprised that the mom died, but I don't remember if I was aware as a child that that's what happened. I do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I remember watching this. I remember that there was like a baby fox. I didn't remember about the mother being shot by hunters. Um, So it was like almost a surprise, even though I thought I knew what was coming. Well, now let me, let me ask you this because I just thought about this considering that the next door neighbor is a hunter. Mm -hmm. Do you think he was the one that killed the mom? We never saw any hunters. Did we, did it show? No. Okay. I think that that would be a safe assumption to make. Especially considering how close they are to each other's proximity. Yeah. So, after the little pup gets hidden, Big Mama comes along. I love Big And this is not Martin Lawrence, Big Mama. (laughs) Which, that would probably be a pretty good remake if if, if they had Martin Lawrence playing the part of Big Mama. (laughs) Oh, that would be weird. No, I don't know that. But then, they see how close the pup is to Miss Widow Tweed's house 
And so they come and drop a pair of pantaloons on the pup. Mm-hmm. Who gets named Todd, which is short for toddler. You're such a toddler. I was annoyed by that line. Like It's a baby fox, but okay. Todd's a cute name, if it works. So what, what would you call him? I don't know. The way that Keaton names animals, it'd probably be like Foxy. Because <laughs> we have a stuffed giraffe named Giraffe. So okay. nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, he's so cute. Yeah. I wanted to, like, I would have wanted to pick him up and take care of him too. Um. Well, I thought I had notes. That was, <laughs> that was a long pause. My notes don't start for another minute or two. Thanks. So Widow Tweed picks up Todd, brings him into her house, and starts feeding him. And then the very next thing that we see is it's, well, I mean, we get introduced to Copper, who is the little hound dog that's also adorable. Yes. Even though knowing how hound dogs smell, I would not really want one in my house, but I would want a pup until it started to smell and then I'd be ready to, well, we aren't going to finish that. Well, he's so cute, and like I like how Chief, the other hunting dog, hunting dog, is so like gruff and like tough mm-hmm. guy about it, and then like snuggles up. I'm like that, that's about right. And I like Copper's like scratchy little voice. Like, oh. Well, that's Corey Feldman. So. Oh, I didn't know that, or I didn't catch that in the credits. I have other notes on credits, but I didn't catch that one. Well, I I wanted I wanted to make sure that I had the names right for the for who played who because I wanted to make sure that I wasn't putting Corey as Todd. So once she nurses him, then they bring him into the hen house or into the barn, and we literally have a fox in a hen house. Mm-hmm. No better trope could ever have been put for this movie. And the fox in the hen house, because it happens several times during the movie, to varying degrees of atrocities that Amos <laughs> is wanting to have happen. So the old lady, of course, treats Todd like a pup, because he is, well, he's a kid. He's not a pup, but he's a fox pup, I guess. we. Yeah, she kind of treats him like her baby, but and, this is what a lot of pet people do. Yeah. And so we have several different storylines that are going on during this movie. We have Todd and Copper. We have Amos and Widow Tweed. And then we have Boomer. Boomer and Dinky and Squeaky. Oh, which, oh Squeaky was the worm. Yeah. So, oh, I, so they were the funnest part. Like, I was thinking about this... Um, today actually and I was like you know I think that this movie was like probably my first exposure to like a drama because it's not a musical it's not a comedy like there's silly parts but like it's really a drama for kids um I appreciated the birds because they were so funny and that's what I was like craving more than usual this week I guess so um I enjoyed them the most, and I did make a note that Dinky says, okay, Boomer, a lot of times, and that made me laugh. 
And I didn't even catch that. Okay, Boomer. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote it down the first time, and then he just kept saying it throughout the movie. I was like, oh, this is a nice little treat for me. Which now is going to make me have to go look and see how many times Dinky says it and if there is a supercut. Oh, I hope there is. Um, I have a note on the worms, Squeaky. I guess I didn't realize his name was Squeaky. Um, I Spoiler alert, I, thought, I forgot that he turns into a butterfly at the end. So he's not just a worm, he's a caterpillar. Um, I forgot about that. So that was a fun surprise, too. But the, at some point... Like, during the winter scene, um, he's, like, exposed to the cold, and all I could think was, like, that worm's dead. Like, there's yeah. no way. I had to remind myself. It's an animated movie. Yeah, there there were several parts of this movie that you had to literally take your brain out, sit it next to you, and let it watch along with you instead of trying to analyze it. But we'll get into those in a, in a couple of minutes. Yeah, you have to forget yourself for a little while. So we had two former um, Disney voices come back into Mm -hmm. the fold. Well, actually three, I'm sorry. I forgot about one of them. We had the voice of Tigger playing Boomer. Yep. We had the excellent Kurt Russell coming back to play older Copper. Yep. And we had the Porcupine, which was the voice of Piglet. Yes, and... There's there's another one. Oh, okay. oh, did you forget about Chief? Okay, who is Chief? Chief, what well, I don't have the actor's name written down because it doesn't matter. Chief is uh, well, it does matter, but it doesn't matter. To me, I was like that's the sheriff of Nottingham. And I looked it up and it's the same actor. And of course, we forgot about Sandy Duncan. Oh, I do have her in my notes. Um, Which, I, I, I mean, it's Sandy Duncan, so we don't need to say anything else. Because if you want to know how we feel about Sandy Duncan, just go back and listen to the, the Cat from Outer Space and Million Dollar Duck. Yeah. She was... So, I saw her name in the credits. Um, I, I had forgotten about Vixie in this movie. So, it was, like, fun to to hear her voice and like be able to connect it to a face. Cause I didn't know who she was before we watched those other movies. Um, so that was, that was fun. But yeah, I have, I have that in my notes like later, like when Vixie pops up. So um, yeah, that was, that was nice. Fun little treat. So did you catch that they actually had Wiley Coyote gravity? Yes. Like during this weeky yeah. scene. I think it's Boomer that falls down. Yes. Yeah, that made me laugh. I was like, you're a bird, you can fly. He still falls. Yeah, he falls, and then he blames Todd, of course, because, I mean, why not? And this is where the two friends meet up, is after this, because Todd goes over and starts talking to Copper, and the two of them start talking to each other, and they decide they want to play hide-and-seek, which is really cute. Especially with Copper trying to cheat, even though he is a bloodhound. Yeah. And you really don't have to know more than you just know how to use your nose. And he even says, can I use my nose? And then he starts to count, and he peeks. He's like, well, didn't we just establish that you can use your nose, kid? I- 
you already have an advantage. You don't need to cheat. Yeah. Yeah. And so they play, and this is the beginning of the hijinks between two friends that should not be friends, a.k.a. Tale of Two Critters. They're so cute. Like, I wish they were real and they looked like that in real life. I honestly don't know why they haven't tried to start doing this one as a remake. You know, I don't want them to um, because, oh, right. Keaton and I just went to see The Little Mermaid Mm -hmm. um, starring Halle Bailey. She's beautiful. She's a great Ariel. Um, It was probably my favorite live action remake so far. But I did not like uh, CGI Sebastian, like looking like a more realistic crab. All I can think of is how if they tried to do this like live action, they would lose the cuteness. I mean, baby animals are all cute, but there's something extra cute about these little animated guys. So are you kind of worried about them doing... Robin Hood? Yeah, actually I am now. If they make it too real, then it'll lose some of the charm. Mm. Um, I think that, I mean, I have, I don't think I watched, I haven't watched the, like, remake of The Lion King yet. Um, Maybe bits and pieces. But it's kind of the same thing. Like, it it lost something. Mm. And I'm nervous about that. Uh so, since you mentioned it, no, I'm not sure I want to see a remake of this. I will wa- I watch it if they do it, but yeah. I hope they don't. Well, yeah, and you're going to have to if you're still hosting by the time we get to 2026 or whenever they do decide to break into this, because they've already said they're going to do Moana first with The Rock and with a girl that's actually the voice of um, the, the princess in that movie. I can't think of it. Well... I have I saw that um, she um, Ali Ali Cravalo I don't remember I'm sure I'm butchering that pronunciation but um, I saw that she's not going to do it now. Oh. They're going to recast. Um, I guess because they think she, I don't know if she doesn't want to or if like she's outgrown it or what. But they're going to recast it. Or and if I think she's not Polynesian enough. I don't know, but she's, um, I know she's still staying on as an executive producer or something like that. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Well, yeah, just to see the Rock's Pecs pump. Well, no, it's a great movie. I think it'll be fun. And you could see we're, 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 we're discussing that because we don't want to discuss this one. Yeah. Well, and like my notes on this are so sparse. It's a lot of, oh, that's cute. They're so cute. Uh okay so i think what i wrote down is that copper is a cheater at every game because he says give me a head start and i can beat you he tries to cheat at hide and he's always trying to use his advantages that way he can beat you Mm -hmm. and so that ends up getting him tied to a bourbon barrel out in the back of amos's house because he was gone when he wasn't supposed to be yeah and so todd comes over and starts looking around and starts sniffing it at chief and chief mistakes todd for a badger 
at the beginning of the sequence, which makes like, st- yeah, because he's dreaming, and you start to get a sense that maybe his sniffer is starting to go bad, mm-hmm. which later comes up as a plot point during the winter. But we aren't we aren't going to jump ahead to that, and so. After he sniffs him a little more, he realizes that he's not a badger, he's a fox, and he wakes up. And then we have our first of several chase scenes. Mm-hmm. And each one is crazier than the one before. This one has Chief taking off, chasing Todd through a hen house again, second fox in a hen house reference of the movie. And then they collect all the hens, and of course by this time Amos is trying to find out what's going on and he's taken off in his long johns yeah in his old pickup truck to chase after todd <laughs> so i know people in real life who are like amos um it, it made me already like not like him i mean he's like the antagonist through mm-hmm. most movies so um it was easy to dislike him because you're not supposed to like him but um I don't know. I was just like, well, this reminds me of some people in real life. Yeah. So he takes off after Todd in his long johns. And Todd is running along. And this is during the daytime, mind you. So we don't know what Amos was doing sleeping during the day unless he was out um, raccoon hunting at night. Or Mm -hmm. trying to think what other nighttime... um, hunting activities there were but he wakes up and he takes off and todd jumps up in the back of widow tweed's truck which has six big milk jugs filled with milk and amos shoots his scatter gun and hits all six of the gas all six of the um containers Yeah, it's easy to, like, just know that he is a terrible person because he is firing at a vehicle that a human being is driving. Like, at this point, you're not just Mm -hmm. shooting at a fox that you perceive has, like, gotten after your animals, which Todd did not do. Yeah. Uh, He was trying to get away from Chief. So, like, this is a problem that they created, but, of course, he doesn't see it that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He's he's not friendly to animals. Like, most hunters I know are, like, respectful. Um, but this guy is not. He just doesn't care, it seems. Like, sure, if a fox or anything, like another predator, is attacking your animals, then, yeah, do what you have to do. But, like, that wasn't the case. If it's just a curious little animal roaming around your place, it's not the same. Yeah. So, I don't know. It made me like him even less than I already did. Um, then when he starts shooting at her, it, it got even worse. And he's just, like, deranged. Yeah. But, so, after he shoots at Widow Tweed and her truck and damages all the milk that she was obviously going to the market to sell, mm-hmm. she slams on the brakes. He slams on his brakes. She grabs his gun and shoots his radiator. Yeah. He had it coming. Yeah. And just leaves him there, which I mean, okay. And we don't see any well you're going to pay for the reparations to my milk, everything that I've lost. Yeah. Cuz I mean, with a with a little 
kid of a fox running around, obviously what happened the first morning has probably happened several other times, and it took a little while for her to get that milk together. But Yeah. Now, the encounter ends with him threatening or, like, promising, I guess. Mm-hmm. The next time he sees the fox, he's going to kill him. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, naturally, she's, like, distressed and keeping Todd kind of locked up in the house, and mm-hmm. he can't do that. And so the next thing we see is seasons start to change. Todd, or Copper and Chief and the... Oh, wait, no. When when did when did Chief's leg get hurt? Oh, that's way, way later. Okay. Yeah. All right. They go, like, so Amos packs the dogs up and they go on a hunting trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they leave, Copper is still his, like teeny little set well i think he's a little bigger at this point um but yeah he's like adolescent age dog now um and then the widow is like well they're gonna be gone all winter so you don't have to stay locked up anymore um and so she lets todd you know just kind of roam like he had yeah and so we fast forward and it becomes winter and we have a second Dinky and Boomer and Squeaky encounter, and Squeaky ends up going into a plant, which then ends up in the in the widow's house. And they're like, "Well, you just wait until you come out, and we'll we'll mess with you then. We're gonna go. We're gonna fly south for the winter, and Boomer and him fly off. And and so as things happen, dogs get bigger, and Copper is a pretty good hunting dog." Which is obvious with that because of the number of pelts that Amos comes home with on the top of his truck. Yeah. And Copper's sitting up front and Chief doesn't like this because he gets relegated back to the back. Yeah. Because he he told Copper that he had to earn his place in the front. Yeah, and he did. And, like, man, Chief just looks so tired, too. Mm -hmm. Like, dude, like, just retire. (laughs) You're tired. Yeah. And so you're seeing that Chief is a little, not as mean as Amos, but he tells Copper that in order to be a good hunting dog, you got to think nasty. Mm-hmm. And this is where, yeah, that's right. This is where Chief's leg gets broke because they come back. Todd comes over to say hi. And... He stirs up the issues because Chief's sleeping, and Chief and Copper end up chasing Todd off. And yeah, a long chase. Yeah, a real long chase. And so... They end up chasing Todd to some railroad tracks, and uh, that's how Chief's leg gets broken. He gets hit by a train. Um, and falls off the falls off the train tracks and this was the second time that I had to sit take my brain out sit it down next to me and just watch the movie because yeah. there's no way that a dog could survive a fall like he fell without yeah. us having a totally different Disney movie yeah actually I I was reading that um in the first like draft or like originally he was supposed to die and um of course they didn't like that 
I guess it didn't go over well with mm-hmm. test audiences. I don't remember the exact details, but they changed it um, so that that did not happen. And so after this, Widow Tweed takes Todd out and basically does the hero move of go, get on, get out of here. Yeah, she like, I guess we, she's, it's a wildlife preserve. Yeah. Uh, which, good for her, but, like, he doesn't know anything about living in the wild, so. Yeah, because yeah. because he's been there, he's been with the Widow since day three, probably. So, yeah, she, she basically puts out a tame fox to have to fend for itself in the wild. Yeah. So good on you, Widow. Yeah, oh, it's so sad. Um, and he's, like, so confused. Um, this part is... Like, the part that really got me feeling down, because, um, I don't know, he just, he's sad and confused and doesn't know what to do and has nowhere to go, and that's, like, intercut with, like, Chief and his broken leg and Copper, like, vowing revenge or whatever, looking all mad. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it sets us up for Vixie to come in and be all cutesy. Yeah. Well, before we get to Vixie, we actually have a reused piece of footage from the Sword in the Stone. Oh, I think I had that in my notes. The squirrel. Yes. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, is that is that uh, Merlin or the other... Well, I forgot his name already. Uh, Arthur. Yes. Yeah, it, it, it was whatever the younger squirrel was when he was getting chased by the by the girl squirrel that he didn't like or didn't know that he liked because he wasn't... Because he wasn't a squirrel. So, so anyway, while um, Todd is out trying to learn how to fend for himself, Amos and Copper are vowing revenge, and the movie takes a dark turn when we see him break out the bear traps. Yeah. Which... Which is technically the Chekhov's gun in the room, because it has to happen, it has to come back. And But they just put that in and then move back to Todd and introduce Vixie. And of course we have to have a love story, because it's a Disney animal movie. Yeah, um, she is real cute though, and Sandy Duncan's voice is so cute in this. Yeah, but I got a little creeped out when I started to look at Mickey Rooney who is playing Todd, who is yeah. one year old, and he is being played by a 61-year-old. I mean, the voice kind of fit, though. Yeah, the voice kind of fit, but then when you start looking, and it's another kind of creepy babies in Toyland deal, where you gotta, and, I mean, once again, brain out, sit there beside you for a couple of minutes, and everything will be all happy, and... Yeah. And so, as is the case for men... We tend to overshoot what we can actually do when it comes to try to impress a female. Because he literally says that he can catch a fish, and he ends up catching a stick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I liked... I don't know why. There's something about this that... Uh, where he's like, oh yeah, he's like overconfident. Mm-hmm. And obviously he had never done this before in a day in his life, and... Like a, like a doofus. And so, of course, as is also most men's reaction, we blame the woman. We blame the 
empty-headed female, and please note that I am using scare quotes. This is not my words. This is words yeah. from Disney. And then he says the greatest line in the movie, raspberries, and he takes off. <laughs> I think I missed that. And so we have Todd and Vixie. They're having their little romance. Yeah. And we cut back to Amos deciding to trespass on a hunting or on a um animal reserve to try to find and kill Todd. And he sets five sets of bear traps in such a small area, which obviously means that somebody's going to get caught in them and it's not going to be Todd. Yeah. I'm like irritated even that he's like cutting the fence to go into this. Like obviously not supposed to be hunting there. There's a no hunting sign. Yeah. And what, what is it? What is his response? No, we're just going in to get a, a no good fox. Yeah. Stupid. <laughs> I just, yeah, he doesn't, there's, there's nothing in this entire movie. There's like at this point, maybe 15 minutes left. There's nothing redeeming for him at all. And so they locate Todd and Vixie, and they track them back to their den. And you got Copper at one end of the den, and you got Amos at the other end of the den. And it's just like a just like man, once again, scare quotes, not me, to set fire to a wildlife preserve. Yeah. And I was actually waiting for the entire wildlife preserve to go up in flames, because that's what normally happens when fire gets introduced by man in an animal's refuge. Yeah, it's like um, Bambi. Yeah. Well, Bambi, Jungle Book. I forgot about Jungle Book. Yeah. And so somehow during all of this, Amos's gun mysteriously can fire through dirt because yeah. he's got a scatter gun and you just see pieces of dirt getting blown out deep into the tunnel. Mm-hmm. Once again, not normal. But Todd gets away, takes Vixie with him, and the two of them go up to the go up to the waterfall, which sets up the climactic scene. Yeah, and, I mean the scene is beautiful if it were real, I imagine. Yeah. And Amos tracks him up there, and instead of getting Todd, he gets what I'm assuming is a black bear. Of course, I could be wrong. It could be a brown bear. Yeah, yes. it's a big, scary. It's gray. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a gray bear, which, as we have learned in our other bear movies, nobody really knows the difference between a brown bear and a and a black bear because they're all the same. But anyway, Amos never read the book on how to handle a a black bear attack, to either make yourself bigger or to fall over dead because that's what you're going to be. Instead, yeah, he... he decides to try to shoot the bear and. Of course, he ends up getting his foot caught in a bear trap. Yeah. You'd think it would do more damage. Like, maybe his boot is what is helping him there. Yeah. But, oh, I, the, those kind of things, like, make me feel nervous, and it's animated, so if it were real, <laughs> I would be, like, really upset by this. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, the bear is actually kind of scary. I wonder if I was scared about that when I was a kid. But, uh... You know, Copper puts up a good show trying to defend Amos. It doesn't go his way. Um, yeah. And so then Todd jumps in and saves them both. Mm -hmm. um, the bear and Todd both fall far, far, far. 
And again, it is unrealistic for an animal to be able to survive a fall that far when one animal does not unless the other animal falls on top of the first animal. Right. Yeah, it doesn't happen in the order that it would need to in order for that to work out. But it's an animated Disney movie, so anything goes. Yeah, but you also assume that Todd has sustained some damage because he comes out limping and falling over and somehow pulls himself up into the shallow water so he does not drown. And Amos, you hear the click of the gun. Yeah, still a jerk. And this is where I started to cry because Copper's a good friend to the end. And it was almost like Randy Newman started to sing, You got a friend in me. Well, the song that's in this movie, actually I think it plays earlier, and then I think it it did play earlier in the movie when they're little, and then I think it plays at the end, and I hate that song. It's like ingrained in in my mind from hearing this so many times as a kid, um, but I, I don't like it. Um, but yeah, he, so Amos like doesn't shoot Todd, but only because Copper jumps in front and mm-hmm. it's like pretty clear they can't like maintain their friendship, like really. Um, like, oh yeah, we're all, we'll always be friends forever. Yeah. Little kitty voices play over the ending. It's sweet, but like, Sometimes even good friends have to separate. Yeah. As was the case in A Tale of Two Critters. Yeah. They give each other like a knowing look, like, oh, it's so special. But, uh, yeah. I think we see the birds again, and then... Um, yeah, we see the birds because this is where Squeaky becomes a... a um, he's real flashy. Yeah. The flashy little butterfly. Um, Big Mama, of course, knew all along that was going to happen. But Boomer and Dinky are like not the not the smartest, so they're completely shocked. It's funny. Um, I still think they're the best part of this movie. Yeah. Um, and then I think we're supposed to think this is like sweet or funny that the widow is taking care of Amos, but I find it. Um, I, I don't know. I didn't like it. I mean, good for her being, like, the bigger person to, like, go take care of him because his legs messed up from the bear mm-hmm. trap. But uh, I didn't like that she's over there being nice to him after he's, like, terrorized her the whole movie. Yeah, it was definitely not the way that you would expect it unless we are to insinuate that there is a love story that's getting ready to happen. Well, I hope not. Which, I mean, who knows? We may get it when we go to the Fox and the Hound 2, if we cover that. I, that was a direct-to-DVD, or VHS, yeah, or... I hope that's not what happens. So, is there anything that was missed? Um... Or are we good to stick a bear trap in this one? I think we're good to go, like, my notes stop when Vixie comes in. <laughs> You see, mine went a little bit further. My last notes were, cue the waterworks when Copper stands over Todd. Um, yeah, I didn't feel emotional about this movie, um, I, which is kind of surprising, I guess, because normally I would, but I don't know. I just, I think it's one of the ones that I can like appreciate that it's a good movie, but it's just not. 
for me anymore. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, okay, Boomer. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the only other note I have is that, um, notably, this was the first film for renowned animators Tim Burton, Brad Bird, and John Lasseter. Okay, Tim Burton. Where have I heard that? Yeah. I oh, wonder yeah, Batman. Um, yeah, and then, of course, Brad Bird and John Lasseter went on to... Pixar. Pixar, and, like, their their work is incredible. Um, no pun intended? Yeah, not intended. <laughs> well, it really was an accident, but that's funny. Um, yeah, I didn't know that they worked on this. Hmm. I, I didn't know that they worked together before Pixar, so or that that those two worked with Tim Burton. It's kind of cool. But hold on, I'm trying to think. Frank and Weenie was a Tim Burton film. Was that a Pixar film? Uh, I don't think so. It should no. have been. No, it wasn't. But yeah, they worked together. Um, on this, and it was all their first movie. Hmm. Pretty neat. And the three of them have had uh, okay careers, I guess. Yeah, they've done all right, I guess. They've done all right, yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and shift over to the three questions. First of all, is this how did... See, now I can't even remember what the three questions were. That's how... What, that's how today's impact? What is the... Yes. What is today's impact on the movie? Um, I don't think they'd really have to change anything. Uh, it's hard to name this because, um, I don't know, I guess it's really timeless. There's, Mm -hmm. it's obviously set at a time where like, there's not the advances in technology. You don't need it. Um, it, it wouldn't really matter if they even had technology. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. And also, I mean, going back to Amy, since it's actually a, quote-unquote period piece you could probably call it because it's you got amos in his outhouse which you probably didn't even notice i didn't <laughs> yeah amos has an outhouse that you actually see when he comes up and drops copper in front of chief that's so funny i didn't know i didn't catch that so i mean you'd have kids saying mama what's that but yeah actually and i was actually surprised that t didn't say that when we started watching it because he made it through the first 15 minutes of the movie before he said he wanted to watch what he was what he watches every night it's like a period film though so like it's obviously set in a different time so i Hmm. think that yeah so it if it were to be remade today it could be remade the same way but definitely not with cgi and definitely not with the animal voices being done by humans. Well, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> animals need to do their own voices. Equal yeah. voices for animals. Equal voices for animals. <laughs> uh, we might be tired. So, is this movie mirrored in culture? Um, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, every... Oh, I'm... I guess I shouldn't say everybody, but like it's a really familiar movie. It's considered yeah, yeah. a classic, so Yeah, and the fact that and the fact that it was available on VHS and the fact that I've actually seen a VHS copy of this in the last couple of years. Not actually watched it mm-hmm. 
but saw it in the wild, ready to be taken in by old lady Tweed. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, and that actually goes into the third question. How does it fit into today's society? It's something that you know about and you, you know it, you know about it because you've probably heard people talking about it, especially if they're Disney aficionados mm-hmm. and they would, They'd be able to sit you down and say, well, this is the greatness of this movie. Despite the fact that you have to take your brain out, sit it down next to you during several parts of the movie, so that way you don't overthink things, and we've already discussed what those are. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a classic, so. Yeah. It's, I mean, it seems like that, the answer to that is obvious because mm-hmm. of that. It's funny, like. It seems like it got kind of mixed reviews. It didn't get, from what I saw, it didn't get like overwhelmingly great reviews just Mm -hmm. because it was like, it wasn't innovative. It broke, you know, it didn't really add anything to um, Disney's legacy, I guess. What? It's it's another movie where they they have somebody, where they have a parent get killed. How can it not add to the legacy? Um, But I mean, it's like a beloved movie, so... Whatever. I get those critics don't know anything. No. I mean, we're talking about it 40 plus years later. So. All right. Well, speaking of beloved Disney movies, we are going to be talking about another beloved Disney movie next week, but not for the same reasons. The next movie is actually a cult classic. It is 1982's Tron. So tune in next week where Scott Gardner and I will discuss this one and we'll fi- you'll find out what we have to say about it, whether we like it, spoiler alert, you really don't have to ask if we're already calling it a cult classic that that's <laughs> beloved. I'm but, excited to hear that episode. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do the homework and watch the movie and I'm, I'm excited to listen. Well, it has already been recorded and it was... An awesome DVD, extra-laden, extra-long episode, so pack your snacks, pack your popcorn. You may actually even be able to watch along while we talk about it. So it'll, it'll be a good one to watch and a good one to talk about. If you want to write us, as always, you can write us at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. Of course, the DMP stands for Disney Movie Pod. Disney Plus Movie Podcast. I don't know why I can't talk tonight other than words not good with me. <laughs> um, but yeah, you've already got your homework. So until we talk next week, stay safe, stay hungry, and stay out of wildlife preserves if you know that bears are in the area. Or just stay out of them, period. Cause... Actually, yeah. Or stay, or stay out of them, Unless you are going in to just look at animals and take pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, or unless you are wildlife. But if you are wildlife, please write us and let us know how you listen to this podcast. Yes, please. <laughs> we'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening. You can send us feedback at BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. We welcome any kind of feedback, and it might get read on the air in a future podcast. Once again, the email address is BeKindRewindDMP at gmail.com. If you have a moment, please rate and review our podcast on whatever streaming service you are listening to us on. 
This and word of mouth are the two ways to help us reach a larger audience. Thank you in advance for doing this. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day. Goodbye. Oh my, look at that. A fox and a hound playing together. When you're the best of friends Having so much fun together You're not even aware You're such a funny pair You're the best of friends Life's a happy game You could clown around forever Neither one of you sees Your natural boundaries Life's one happy game. Copper! <laughs> yeah, I've got to go. If only the world wouldn't get in the way. If only people would just let you play. They say you're both being fools. You're breaking all the rules. They can't understand the magic of your wonderland. <laughs> when you're the best of friends, sharing all that you discover, when these moments have passed, will that friendship last? Who can say? There's a way, oh, I hope, I hope it never ends. Come on, Copper. Cause you're the best of friends. Copper, you're my very best friend.